Welcome to the Nutmeg Darina podcast brought to you by The Nutmeg Assist. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by The Nutmeg Assist. My name is Ritwik and I am the host for today's episode. And today I have Prashant and Chris as the guests for this very particular episode. So guys, say hi to our listeners. Hello everyone. Yeah, Chris. Hi, hi everyone. How how are you doing Ritwik? How are you Chris? Yeah, yeah I'm good, fine. man. Yeah, we're doing fine, mate. So today's topic is going to be none other than Manchester United. Uh, the situation with Manchester United and you know, it's it's been all mayhem at United recently. And uh, Prashant, uh, out of all people, I, I've seen you go on a rant on social media, especially <laughs> yeah, with United. So, so, yeah, so yes, we'll start off with the derby game last night. Uh, United lost the derby game once again, and I think this is third time, third consecutive time that United have lost to Guardiola's City at Old Trafford, if I'm not wrong. And, oh yeah. And to be honest, the first half performance was kind of okay, but. Uh, in the second half, City completely shifted their gears and United were no match for that. United were absolutely shambolic defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if, you look, if you look at the midfield, Fred was running here and there, but his passes were so bad. Like, like for, I thought like uh, every one of Fred's five passes were misplaced, if I am nah, not. No, man. I think he was better than Pogba, man. Nah, nah. To, to be honest, I, in my opinion, I, I I thought Pogba was a bit better than Fred. Fred was like he was shooting the ball even before the ball even came. So yeah, I so I'll start with you, Prashant. I mean, yeah. Yes, you lo- you guys lost in the derby 2-0 against City. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I saw you saying you get battered, but luckily you only got beat 2-0. Mm-hmm. So happy news there, but. <laughs> yeah, last Sunday you got beat four uh, nil by an Everton side who haven't looked the best this season. You got beat four nil. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's that's pretty bad to be honest. And and that the was... whole yeah, and the whole Ole is at the wheel thing. It's it's kind of falling apart currently. So, what are your thoughts on United's recent? Uh, Results and you know what, what do you think is the problem with the club? Well, uh, I think we'll start with the derby first. Uh, so what? If a lot of talk was going on in social media and the uh, even in the TV media that what do United fans want? Do they want City to win the league or do they want Liverpool to win the league? Do they want themselves to lose so that Liverpool don't win the league? I was fed up with all this bullshit. You know, it doesn't matter what we want. I knew we were shit and we were going to lose. <laughs> the writing was on the wall. 
after beating after getting beaten by Everton 4-0 what did people think that united will turn up and beat city and i was scrutinized on social media for telling that i want us to lose it's okay we it doesn't matter what i want i just know the fact that our team is not good enough and on the night city were a deserved winners and in the first half yes it was decent but then marcus rashford is there what do you expect from him he'll shoot from 40 yards thinking he's ronaldo and the ball ends in rosehead i don't know man like okay the performance was better than the everton game players were applying themselves yes uh, but uh, could have they done more maybe yes city were there a few sloppy moments were there lingard had a chance of equalizing but then he missed and like i don't know in the second half when city really turned up our defense had no answer and then there's this image you know which is being circulated in the social media chris or uh, prithvik i don't know if you have seen it it's like a vertical line of defense manchester united players <laughs> yeah. i i've totally seen that to be honest yeah. and like uh, i just revisited that move uh, yesterday on uh, maybe i was watching hotstar i went to match highlights on hotstar and <laughs> you i i saw aguero running into an offside position so obviously the aguero as a as an option for the pass was cut off because he was in an offside position but still i saw your defenders coming on to play aguero on side and also leaving leroy sane free on the left side on the left flank that's, that's the that's the united way man that's the united way of progressive attacking football <laughs> the united dna where yeah, you I, attack 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 i know like all jokes as part the defense was shambolic and people are some people are blaming damia and some people are blaming smalling but what do you expect from these players this such shit defense and yeah. then I, i was surprised that city won 2-0 i expected them to win more by more goals at least uh, but then fair enough uh, david deheya has been scrutinized a lot but that guy has carried us for last 6 years on his shoulders he's carried this shit team for last 6 years it's okay to have one off season even but uh, in, in that off season the others showed their real class you know we considered 50 goals in the premier league season worst ever i think since 1971 or something like 50 yes, years yes. i saw some stats yeah so uh, i think it's since 1970 i think we'll discuss the stats later but then i really disappointing like i didn't have any expectations and i was in the end you know i kind of celebrated sane's goal like fuck yes now liverpool aren't, aren't going to win the league because we are hopeless anyway <laughs> that's pretty harsh on liverpool <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, i'll now the, come about yeah, this game yesterday yeah. yeah, chris uh, what are your thoughts on yesterday's game the derby um i think it says a lot when uh you look at the two uh, the two sides and the rivalry and given where they were mm, seven years ago the fact that Manchester United fans are just thankful that the game finished 2-0 i think before the game if you said would have said to Manchester United fans you can take a 2-0 loss now and not play the game then most of them would have took that and i think that that says a lot about the two clubs and where they've come and where they the both at now Yeah. Uh, in terms in, in terms of the game itself again uh, it, it shows how far Manchester United have dropped as a team on the pitch when people are saying that they actually played well in the first half uh, when 
all they'd done really was close City down a lot and run round after them for the first half and people are actually applauding that saying that they'd done well and they had a very good first half they didn't they just contained Manchester City for the first half and you could tell the difference as soon as they come out for the second half within the first 10 minutes that they just weren't at it again in the second half they couldn't keep up that pressure if that's what they want to call it what they were doing in the first half I think it was obvious from say five minutes in in the second half that it was only a matter of time before City scored because they were sort of cutting them open, not not in terms not in terms of cutting them open and and, and creating clear cut chances, but they were getting into very good positions where you were thinking right it's only a matter of time before someone pay, plays that right pass, and then they score, um, and then after that one, one, once Manchester City went one 0 up that was it. I I know people obviously look back to the Lingard chance uh, and th- and things like that and saying oh, oh what if uh, but for me for me I think Gary Neville said it best I don't know if anyone's seen the, uh, the analysis after the game uh, when uh, when Gary Neville said well this is sort of what Manchester United have got and and it was I mean I just I I didn't. I didn't ever fancy them to score a goal, and it was similar on Sunday uh, against Everton. I, I, I fully, t- I, I went to that game and I fully t- expected Everton to win that game before beforehand. I, j- I didn't see how Manchester United were actually going to beat Everton. Uh, and again, that's not 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 a sight on my own club. I mean, the Premiership's a very competitive league. But given the fact that we all go on about the top six and how far the top six arrest. Are ahead of the rest of the country, which is not completely accurate. I, I fully expected Everton to win that game before, uh, before before kickoff. And if you watch the game again, Everton took the foot off the gas after about 60 minutes, started passing the ball around. I mean, if they would have kept the pressure that they did for the first 45, 50 minutes, it could have got quite embarrassing. They should have, in my opinion, you know. You should, guys should have, you know, put in. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, I think five, six, seven. That would have been <laughs> the of the yeah. club owner. Yeah. And, yeah. and and yeah, I I, I saw a stat uh, early this morning on uh, Twitter uh, saying that uh, I mean it, it, it the mention there was like Orana Solskjaer's uh, win ratio since he's become the permanent manager is twenty eight percent. Twenty eight percent, correct. The next verse is Jack Robson. And I think he has 29.5, which is, this is pretty, not just pretty worse, it's, it's a whole lot uh, worse than what and, you guys expected. And, yeah, and before we go on to the off, off the field issues at United, we'll, I mean, we'll get to the off, off the field issues later on. But on field, if you, if you look at the players, okay, David De Gea, who's been like the world's best keeper over the past maybe four or five years. He's had a pretty bad season this time out. Uh, I wouldn't even put him in the top three goalkeepers this season in the Premier League because he hasn't been so convincing. He's made a few silly errors this season and you can't blame him. Okay, this is his first off-season in, like since he joined, I guess. Maybe, yeah, first, first season or something he had uh, maybe one or two errors. This season he's made a total of three errors three goalkeeping errors which has led to a goal so this is his first season in terms of errors made but 
yeah he's he's kept you relevant or on top and he has saved a lot of points for manchester united over the past uh, four to five seasons and it, it it's a little bit uh, harsh to put the blame on him but okay when he is out of form you need the other guys to step up you have a player who's termed as world class who's termed as a leader like Roy, I mean, I'll come to that Roy Keane statement a little later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you have a player who's who, I mean, who brands himself as a leader. He who you know promotes himself as a leader. I mean, posting videos of him uh, giving prep talk to a friend, the, prep talk to the World I Cup think, winning mm-hmm. friend side. It's so really, yeah, is the worst kept secret. But for the our listeners, they will know who we are talking about. Just say the name out loud. Yeah. So yeah, I'm talking about Paul Pogba here. So yes, I mean, it, yeah, people have been a little harsh on him lately because uh, I think he has been the best United player this season. Uh, but he is still. I mean, I saw him in the team of the year, PFA team of the year, and I was like, what? Yes, yes, they had to. Be, I mean, the players had to choose three midfielders. But come on, man, Pogba is a third midfielder. Yep, you could argue a bit, but I mean, Richard, I think it was voted in March, and during that time, Pogba was having his good patch. So it was a yes. interesting yes. recent. Yes, yeah, yeah. This I, is a I think. The- I think as well, uh, we 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 have uh, when it comes to these awards and teams of the year and things like that. People actually focus more on stats. I think that's just. I think Pogba being included in that stat is they've gone, right, they've looked at the midfielders and they've gone, right, who scored the most goals for midfield? And I think, oh, they've gone, oh yeah, Pogba's got 13 goals this year. Oh, he must have had a good season, which doesn't tell the full story. Well, it doesn't tell yeah, any of the story as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, he's he's hardly had just, I guess, just 10 good games, which is, which is almost one-fourth of the season. So it's 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 not a good I mean sample size to say that uh, that he's been he's I mean deserved uh, he's a deserved candidate for team of the year but uh, yes anyway he's in he's he's picked by the players yeah he had a great uh, great spell when Ole was uh, Solska was the temporary the caretaker manager but since Ole turned permanent. Pogba has Pogba's form has also gone down. United's form has gone down, and this is their worst away run. I mean, maybe the club's history, if I'm not wrong. I'm not sure about that, but maybe at least in the Premier League era, this is the worst. This is their worst uh, away run. I yes. Guess. And uh, Ritwik talking about Pogba. See, there's no doubt that he's a world-class player. You know, like on his yes. this term on his day is uh, used in very vague terms in the social media. When his mind is in the correct place, he is a very good player. He's a world-class player who will walk into any team of the world. But the thing is, his attitude is such a big issue. He, like, I don't know, he switches on and switches off according to him. Like, if he feels like he wants to play, he'll play. And then when once he feels like, fuck it, I don't care, he won't play. And yeah. the second second thing is, like, I till last season, I used to be like a big fan and even in the World Cup and people used to criticize him I used to like go to wars with them and now this season after he down tools to get Mourinho sacked just broken my heart you know he lost the faith I lost the faith in him to be honest and then mm. as we saw under Ole in the first few games against Huddersfield and Bournemouth and Cardiff where you know 
all those teams with no disrespect their shit and then he was there and then uh, leading the way and people are thinking okay he's playing very well but when the going gets really tough in the big games like the barcelona game or the psg first leg whatever these tough games like everton city watford wolves all those games he he went missing uh, and this is this uh, and this thing of you know he portrays himself as a leader as you said but does he is he really a leader on the pitch he does he really grab the neck by the grab the match by the scruff of his neck and turn the no. game around no right like in his 3 years at united i have seen him turn around one game of football just one and that was a city etihad game last season when mm. he really turned into a leader and took it upon himself to get that match for united that's one game in 3 seasons and i don't think that's good enough if you don't want to stay here the sleeve man will yeah, get and we'll, we'll get I, some i i i think he's a, he's a massive part of the problem uh i just quote just going back to what you've just said there uh, I, i would slightly right and i'm not just labeling this a poor bugna poor pogwana i mean this is all footballers there's only so long you can say oh someone's got talent that only lasts so long i mean if if you've got if you've got talent it doesn't mean that you're a world class player because you've got to be able to show the talent that's why cristiano ronaldo and lionel messi is so unique because yes. they consistently consistently week in week out that separates a world class player from from a very good player and a very good player from an a good player and a good player from an average player is when when you've got ability but you know how to show it so there's the, the, you could go through the entire history of football and players who have got world class talents but have never shown it so therefore they're not world class players now the, the thing for me with Pogba is I couldn't believe it when Manchester United bought him uh, for the money that they did Uh, I mean, we we can call. I'm going to come at this from from a few angles now because for me, th- th- this is again. So that when you pay that amount of money for a player, any player, any club, the team has to be built around them. Now, I still don't know his best position. I I, I, I still don't. I, as a centre midfielder, people will say, "Oh, he plays centre midfield." Okay. Well, as a centre midfielder, right, you're in the middle of the pitch. Okay, you're you can control the game, or you've got to be able to do something. So, we you've got to have be able to. If you if you can't defend, then you've got to be a good attacker. So therefore, you've got to contribute assists and goals. Uh, but as well, you've got to be good off the ball. You can't just be yeah. oh, when we've got the ball, we'll be we'll we'll be okay. I, I can do this and I do it, but he doesn't. He do, he doesn't do that as well. His productivity is not there. Then when he's not off the ball, he's a liability. When he's not on the ball, he's a liability. Now, again, we'll go back to those games that Prashant just mentioned there, the Cardiff games, the Huddersfield games. Uh, Paul Pogba is someone who, if if there's an obvious pass on, you know, he can make that pass. He's got the talent to pick out a pass. Okay, but part of football and part part of uh, playing for a club like he is and playing at the level that is price tag and his wages suggest he is and the enigma, enigma around him is you've got to be picking it's alright picking that pass out against Cardiff when Cardiff have got 10 men behind the ball and he's not getting closed down or he's not getting pressed 
he's got all day to do what he wants with the ball. If you put me in a Manchester United shirt, I could do that. If no one's closed me down, you give me a football, I can I can look up and pick a pass. <laughs> when I've got world class players around me and I've got no one closing me down, but he, he can't do that against he can't do that against Liverpool when he's yeah. got three or four players pressing them from all angles uh, with a, a strategic press. And that's when you put that's when you prove that you're world class when you can do that. Now, for me, for for me, he's got a long he's got a I I I wouldn't. I don't think Paul Pogba would get any in any of the top six teams in England in the first eleven. I, I don't think he'd get in Tottenham's. I don't think he would get in Manchester City's squad. I don't think he would get in Liverpool's first eleven. I don't think he would get in maybe as a room for Chelsea. But I mean, given that that's not something to be proud of, given that they, for me, are on a similar <laughs> path to Manchester United. Uh, but. He's a massive, massive problem for me, and he would be the first player out the door uh, because for all the things that I've just listed, mm-hmm. uh, and then going back to say, like, I mean, what is it? Where does he play? On what, what, I, last night, I was watching him quite uh, intriguing because I actually had this discussion with someone in work the other day who, who was sort of bigging him up, and I was saying, well, he might just score out of those thirteen goals. How many of them have been penalties? Four. Four. Because I, I I know he's got I know he got two the other week. I know uh, against Everton at Old Trafford he he missed his penalty but scored the rebound. So there's three straight away. I'm sure he scored more penalties. I think it's seven or eight. I'm not sure. Seven or eight penalties out of thirteen goals. So I mean that that for me if if you take those penalties away, that that affects that stat massively. Uh, and again, I just I'm not sure what his area of expertise is. I believe that every single individual footballer has to have some kind of expertise, especially in the modern day game. You're either you're coached to be a defensive midfielder, so therefore uh, you're outstanding defensively. Okay, so you may not have enough and going forward, but you will offer your defence support, and therefore you will stop the opposition scoring and breaking through or or you're an attacking midfielder and you've got to offer goals and if you're not doing that then you've got to be able to control a game of football and dictate the tempo and grab the game by a scruff on a neck like you mentioned earlier and he just doesn't do any of them for me he doesn't do it, any of them and, and, and yeah I, I'd like to mention two points uh, on, on Pogba's case yes like you said uh, when Pogba doesn't have the ball he is not the same player that he is when he has the ball but and if you if you are Klopp or if you are Guardiola or if you are even Pochettino you look you you'll be looking at Pogba and saying like okay yeah great great player on the ball but does he offer anything much off the ball and does he and will that be a liability for us definitely yes for a Klopp team or a Pep team or even for Pochettino they demand a lot of off-the-ball work from their players and like you said Pogba wouldn't get into that midfield he wouldn't be a starter because those coaches are demanding and they want a lot of off-the-ball work as well off-the-ball defensive work the work rate and I don't think Pogba offers that yes going forward he's one of the most uh, enthralling footballers I've ever seen Yes, like you said, he's he has that world class tag with him, and this leads to me. Uh, this leads me to my next point. 
like i lot of people uh, when when he was on he was on great form earlier this season when ole started i saw a lot of people compare him to the likes of steven gerrard frank lampard uh, i think there was a comparison with paul scholes as well i mean mainly it was with steven gerrard and frank lampard steven gerrard and frank lampard they die for the club no they died to get you results i seen steven gerrard play alongside players like alberto aquilani uh, then christian paulson i've seen him play to uh, play with players i mean play with play with players who are absolutely average and he has stepped up as a captain and he has stepped up as a leader each and every single time trying to deliver paul pogba is nowhere near that and he isn't even fit to lace the boots of steven gerrard or frank lampard to be honest that's my hot take on this and when pogba was at juventus he had andrea pirlo he had arturo vidal mentoring him he had that free role ahead pirlo being that register and vidal being the destroyer he had proper backing behind which let him express himself which gave him the freedom to go on and attack like he was being mentored properly and i don't think there was a problem with his attitude when he was at juve and you could say that pirlo and maybe vidal two senior players two senior figures might have have had a hand there but when after he came here to united i don't think anyone even mentored him like i think he was running the dressing room all by himself yes we had jose mourinho who's one of the best coaches ever in, in i mean in the, in the planet and he is one of the most influential figures as well but when a player like pogba i mean forces mourinho to get sacked you know it paints a very big picture about the particular player and yeah like i said earlier pogba is no way near steven gerrard or frank lampard as of now now you you need to step up if you're a world class player you need to step up and you need to act like a leader and you have to carry your team at times and i don't think pogba has been doing that consistently yeah, yeah. well i think yeah. i think I, th- i think so sorry to interrupt question so i think one of the problems at manchester united is let's go back to that that liverpool game at anfield and liverpool won for and jose mourinho got sacked that week uh, mm-hmm. oh, it might it might even have been a day after now when you look back at it and you uh, and you sort of maybe it's easier for me to look at look at this because I'm not a Manchester United fan maybe maybe it's a little bit easier for me to look at it from this angle but that day Mourinho he dropped Paul Pogba if you can remember yes yes yeah and everyone was like oh my god he's dropped Paul Pogba and that's the reason they got they got beat and that the black this and that and oh my god I can't believe he's done that what's he doing that he's got that massively on but when you look step back and look at it given the points that we've just mentioned if you were playing liverpool at anfield why would you be, why would you be putting paul pogba in your first 11 true yeah 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 when, yeah when i think of it now yeah your point makes because, a lot more sense yeah, because he, w- he wouldn't have done anything to get anywhere near liverpool's midfield that day when he went on the ball and he's that slow in possession then he would uh, they'll given the fact that liverpool press so intensely and strategically they play they play the game in pressing game he, he wouldn't have got a look in he, he would he, he, so Jose Mourinho made the right decision 
Now, the, I've seen a, a lot of things coming out recently saying, even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I don't know if you guys have seen that in the last 24 hours, has actually come out and said, Mourinho was right about the players. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. that. I saw that. Yeah, I mean, and he got ridiculed as a manager. I, I remember us uh, pressure on talking about it on the Mourinho podcast that we've done. Uh, that this guy is still a top class manager just because it's not going right for him at Manchester United. There's a number of reasons now, and he, he got he got slaughtered for that next month. Uh, basically saying, "Oh, this is the end of his career. He's not. He can't do this. He can't manage in England again." And it's now becoming evident that he was right. Okay, he did make some mistakes, but in regards to uh, Paul Pogba, he was right. Yep. Yeah. And uh, guys, like all the points with Rick said, I concur to uh, all of them. But a few things are there. Like when he came to the United dressing room, guys, if you remember, he came along with Zlatan, and Zlatan has yes. that, aura, that aura with him. Like he is the leader, and he respected Zlatan. So that first yeah. season is a good one. With like Mourinho and Zlatan had a very good relationship. They have had, they have had it from their inter days, and then of course Pogba, Pogba was like Zlatan's little brother. So he was like under he was his ego was under check. And when Zlatan yeah. left in the winter of 2017, it was like the summer uh, winter runs of winter of 2017-18 season. That's when the problem, the ego problem between Mourinho yeah. and Pogba started to you know come up in the media. Yeah. And you saw Roy Keane mentioned that uh, yesterday as well about Pogba. He was being absolutely ruthless. Like, like I mean, he was classic Roy Keane. Correct, right? He, all those things he's telling for the media that I feel bad, our performance was not good enough, blah, blah, blah. He said, Roy Keane said that he's talking all bullshit. He doesn't mean any of this. He was, yes. he was mm-hmm. correct. And one other thing, guys, like you, Ritwik and Chris, you also mentioned that you don't know his position. What is his real position? He's a midfield player, but off the ball, he's a liability, you know. The yeah. thing is, the media plays a big part in this. Remember how 2016-17 season when he... It was an average season for him, but then the talk in the town was like, what can United do to unlock Paul Pogba? So that yeah. he doesn't have to do the defensive side of his game and he can concentrate on the attacking side. And play Matic, Herrera, play Fred or play whatever. Play McTominay or Carrick or all, all these players just to enable Paul Pogba. So that he doesn't have to defend much. Now, have you seen... like? Have these people seen Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva and David Silva played? Like, these players run their socks off to defend yeah, their crap back. Absolutely, yeah. And even Messi against us in at the yeah. camp was tracking back, and he's hundred times the player Paul Pogba ever will be. Yeah. And but if these players can work hard and track back. Then why do the fans of particular players like Pogba or the media pundits or something they don't want Pogba to run run back more and Defend yeah. and walk his off. Like if they can yeah. do it, why can't him? And if yeah. and I don't know, I, and I don't know if you, I mean, if you saw Salah recently, I mean, he broke two counter, two cube yeah. counter attacks recently against Fulham and against Porto. You saw him running back like I know he, he I, I don't know, he was like crazy running back. I saw that pace and I was like, what is this actually Salah? Because I don't see him uh, often. I mean, protecting covers for Trent Alexander-Arnold. I know like. Firmino gets back, Mane gets back as well. Uh, so Salah stays so that Salah stays a bit ahead so that you know if, if there is a chance of chance for a counter, uh, we, no, we make full use of that. Yeah. I think it's like, like all these players are walking their socks off, and people say that uh, Guardiola has given freedom to his City players to express themselves, and Marino didn't give freedom to Pogba and Martial, and I see Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling, two of the best wingers in the league, 
Correct. back and work so hard and why can't Paul Paul Pogba do that? And True. I guess Everton, Chris, uh, I don't know if you saw uh, for the second goal, he he could have run back like it was Fred's pass to Pogba and he missed it and then from there Sigurdsson scored but then he jogged back to the yeah. center circle. Yeah, just, and yeah, and well, in that another, in, yeah, in that goal, uh, yeah, in that goal, uh, I don't know if if you saw it was Nemanja Matic. Who was giving Gilfi Sigurdsson all the time, all the room, all the space in the world <laughs> to okay, cut man. back? Yeah, it's it's all right. But then I saw Pogba standing near the corner flag and not deciding to run back, but deciding to jog back. And that's what you know really made my blood boil that day. But Chris would have yeah. seen that in front of his own eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I I mean I've seen Paul Pogba a couple of times now live and. I, again, I always, I always think like we, we're going on about those players then, and, and like they're chasing back and their things like that. That's, I mean, we're talking about really, really attacking players there with the Salas and the Manes and the Sterlings. I mean, they play really high up the field as well, uh, given mm-hmm. their positions. I mean, like, like going back to, uh, I mean, Pogba doesn't even get as high up the pitch as them yet. <laughs> he doesn't get as far. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he still doesn't get as far back as them. I mean, they got the again last night again last night and Sunday it just it, just so that we're speaking more about more. I mean, it's positioning as a centre midfielder. You're positioning on the pitch, whether you whether you have whether you're a defensive midfielder or whether you're an attacking midfielder. Your positioning on the pitch off the ball is vital as a midfielder. Okay, you cannot have bad position. If you're an attacking midfielder, you've got to know where to tuck in you know, and, and give your other midfielders support when you're not in possession of the ball. Your positioning's got to be good for the attackers around you when you have got the ball. And, and vice versa. I mean, if you look at, if you looked at Manchester City last night and even Everton, obviously, that's that's like two levels there. Let, let, let's be honest, that's two levels. You've got one of the best teams in the world in Manchester City and then you've just got a good premiership team in Everton. Okay, so they're playing on two levels. But if you if you were to focus solely on Paul Pogba, you would think that they would play that Everton and Manchester City at the same level, given his type of performance. Because he he ain't getting anywhere near Sigurdsson. Never mind Bernardo Silva. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? He went. I mean, I mean, his, his position again. He just. I don't know. So. It's hard. I just don't. I just don't think. I, I know people are linking him with Real Madrid. Maybe he might be different because of the, the, the different type of intensity in that league. Uh, and people, people often go back to the World Cup with him. But for me, in the World Cup, he was surrounded by. He was. He was in a. He was an average player in a very good team. For me, <laughs> in that World Cup, uh, again, uh, and I'll, I'll go back to. When Solskjaer first took over, and that run that they had, which come at the right time, because if that run didn't come, then United wouldn't be in the top six now. Uh, but we'll go on about those games. I think his influence in those games that they did win is actually exaggerated as well. Yeah, I don't I, 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 I believe that Herit other players were more uh, contributed more to those games than what Paul Pogba did. Paul Pogba is just one of those players. He's a modern-day footballer who's got a who's got a sort of 
high image off the field. So therefore, whenever he does the slightest thing of any credibility on the field, it gets blown up as if to say like he's a world class player, and that's where we all get we all get uh, we all get carried away, or the media get carried away. Everything he does gets highlighted. And Manchester United have been this been in this position before with players like this. Uh, let's not forget when 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 Manchester United bought Cristiano Ronaldo. Alex Ferguson played four four two. Cristiano Ronaldo started off as a left winger. Oh, yeah. Okay, but it, it become apparent uh, within that first season or that first two seasons when United were going through a transition period at that time. Alex Ferguson noticed that they cannot play four four two with Cristiano Ronaldo. He cannot play on the left wing because he's not an out and out left winger. He was always going to leave. He was he was always going to leave his full back exposed, and one of the weak parts of his game was his ability to cross the ball. So obviously he changed the system to four three three, and and he, and for some of that time Ronaldo played on the left, and then when he went on to win the Champions League and Ronaldo got his 40 goals that season mm-hmm. he got told to play centrally and just given a free role and Wayne Rooney was sacrificed and told to play on the left because of his work rate off the ball now you can afford to do that with a player like Cristiano Ronaldo when if you give him that free role and that luxury of not having to press the ball not having to close down when he gets the ball and he scores 40 goals a season or he gets the ball and he wins games individually. You can do that. You can build the team around that. Similar to what Barcelona have done with Messi. The, the, but still the formation man, he still, and the, still he, he yeah. works as a team, you know, like the first goal which they scored against us at Camp Nou, which actually young lost the ball. He was the oh, front yeah. press and then he got the ball and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, maybe it's a little—it's a bit a bit more of a wrong comparison to compare Messi because of due, due to the high work rate. But we know Cristiano Ronaldo is—if uh, the, there is a weak part of his game, it would probably be when he's not in possession of a football uh, and his work rate, etc. But when you're getting that much productivity and that much talent from him when he's got the ball, you can understand why what why Real Madrid built the team around them, why Manchester United built the team around them, why they had to change the formation because you're getting something back, you're getting you're getting a phenomenon back. Now yeah. you can't afford to do that with Paul Pogba. He's just not that good. He's not good enough to do that. His productivity level in terms of his work rate, in terms of winning games, like I said, controlling games. Uh, uh, scoring goals, and now the stat this year will obviously disagree with that, but I will still, I will still have that argument over that stat when those goals were scored, penalties, etc. That it, it's just nowhere near on the level. And even Rickwick, going back to the Steven Gerrard and the Frank Lampard of this world, I mean, I mean, Frank Lampard scored twenty plus goals a season for Chelsea regularly. Yes. Do you know what I mean that's what he, that's what he brought to the team? I mean, you could even go to level. Uh, even let, let, let's stick in France. I mean, it, it, two different types of players here. But if you if you if you were a, if you had money to spend now, for, let's let's forget what types of players that they spend. Would you buy Pogba or would you buy Kante? Kante, obviously. Yeah, you would buy Kante. <laughs> forget the fact that he doesn't he 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 doesn't score score goals. 
Paul Pogba doesn't score goals as far as I'm concerned, but he brings something to the field of play. And for me, Paul Pogba doesn't. He just doesn't. I don't. I don't get it. For me, I really don't get it. And that's that's that that mistake in 2016 was the beginning of this for me for Manchester United when they bought that player and they've attempted to build around the team around them and it's just gone it's gone wrong and that that was the start of it for me yeah and if that was the start (laughs) Chris then appointment of Ole in December of 2018 would be the uh, you know (laughs) big point of that (laughs) yeah of that whole tenure yeah yeah Yeah, and yeah we've talked we talked a lot about Pogba now, and yes, Pogba is one of those culprits, which yeah, which we and yeah, you guys discuss discuss a, a fair amount of points as well, which is which is totally relevant and yes, and yeah, Pogba you could say is a figure when he his you have to uh, accept the credibility of his PR team though. Now, the, the way he's being portrayed in the media or off the field, you have to give credit to his PR team a lot. And yes, that's that's pretty much it about Paul Pogba. But yeah, you turn your attention no. from when you turn your attention from Paul Pogba to the United defense, Ashley Young at right back, Chris Smalling, Phil Jones, Eric Bailly. Okay, you can I'll. Except, uh, I mean, give, give an exception to Victor Lindelof here because he's been pretty good. He's been pretty decent. Look at Chris Molling. Look at Phil Jones. Look at Eric Bailly. Phil Jones and Chris Molling, I think, signed a, contra- a big contract again, contract extension yeah. recently. Yeah, right. Did, Ash- did Ashley Young sign it as well? I'm not sure. Yes. Hand oh. in hand with Ole, smiling yeah. both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Antonio Valencia was a leader. He's being pushed out of the club. Yes, he wasn't particularly good at right back, but he was a leader. He's being pushed out of the team. He's being I'm hundred percent sure he he's he will be sold. At left back you have Luke Shaw. Yes, in the beginning of the season, uh, when Mourinho was in charge, he was pretty good. But then his form kind of dipped rapidly. And one thing I don't like about Luke Shaw is he gets he gets booked a lot more frequent. Than he should be. I think he served a two-match ban recently for ten yellow cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and this I think you when you are a defender, discipline is something you need pretty much, and Shaw lacks that, and that's why I think he, you know if you if you ask me who who I'd rate as one of the best left backs in the league this season, maybe top three, I would say I probably pick Shaw. But if you ask me now, Lucas Digne, Ben Chilwell. Uh, Patrick Van Aanholt, even I would say they've been better than Shaw overall, and from an overall perspective, yeah, I might be a little bit biased, but still, I'd say I I'd probably put the other three over Shaw currently in overall perspective, and like I said, defensively offering new contacts to like some Ashley Young, Phil Jones, it's and Chris Morning, it's it's absolutely I don't think the club. Uh, I, I don't know how to put this, but yeah, it perfectly shows a lack of yeah, it perfectly shows a lack of ambition from the club. Uh, yeah, I like to put it that way, lack you, of ambition. Yeah. You stole the words out of my mouth, you know. See, the <laughs> thing is, uh, what Mourinho wanted, and people will say that I bring Mourinho a lot of times in this podcast. 
a lot of times in this podcast but thing is he repeatedly cried out for better center backs a right back and then he was ridiculed and he was hounded off the club for telling that he has two he has bought two center backs by and endelof why can't he play him if that if if uh, the liverpool owners had said the same thing to klopp that you have bought matip and lovren why don't you play him play them Correct. why are you Correct. why are you going for van dijk and if city owners have said uh, would have said that you have uh, pep you have got uh, claudio bravo why are you asking for ederson play him improve him coach him by that logic then city and liverpool would be you know uh, in the top four battle along with united and chelsea yep <laughs> but the, that's the logic see what they want to do is like if they invest in a good center half they would have to spend like in the modern market 50 60 million maybe 70 75 million for a player like kulabali or something i don't know and then that that plus the wages they have to offer and if they keep smalling and jones and all these players then they will get like they would be on 100 150k wages and that would for 5 years would amount to around 10 million 15 20 million at max 15 20 million at max so that's a money thing they want to save money and that's why they are offering these average players good yeah, contract and, and that's the thing yeah and, and let me tell yeah and let me tell you yeah and let me tell you this like yes lear top uh, bought virgil van dijk for 75 million he paid 65 66 million for alisson but if if you look at liverpool's net spend you can see that it's almost balanced it, it it's a, it's a, it's a very decent amount and you, you, I, I, yeah I, I, yeah yeah prashant we don't want uh, very good net spend we are manchester united we have 800 million turnover i know i know like if you see at liverpool we we weren't so good in managing the funds uh, i mean in the past and yeah. i don't now 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 we are earning a lot and yes we we are ready to spend a lot fsg has finally i know brought out the money for club but if you seen club in the early stage he sold those dead boots for pretty good money and he used that money plus the extra transfer funds to bring in quality players one by one yes it's been a slow progress but you could say he's sensibly picked his targets to be honest we were trying to sign julian brand but brand didn't want to move because it was the world cup year 2017 18 so he wanted to stay in germany so we went after our second choice target who was mohammed salah and look how he's, how he's turned out to be he went and signed sadio mane from southampton for 36 million and that's the thing man you guys yeah. in the recent seasons have shown a transfer strategy like you go for him you scout him you go for him correct correct Chris, what do you think about this whole fiasco about United's defense, the transfer, not buying anyone, and then giving new contracts to Young, Smalling, and Jones just because they are English, you know? Yeah. Um, again, it's just another problem. Again, I mean, where do you want to start of it? I mean, you could, if you want to compare Liverpool as uh, as Rifford's just done. I mean, I suppose it's a lot easier to buy players for Liverpool because you know what you're buying them for. And it's a lot easier to scout players because you know what system the manager is going to be playing. So you know straight away, right? He's going to be playing this game. They need they want players with pace. They need players with high energy levels. They need so straight away, like the Julian Brandt, Salah, Mane. The manager's got a way of playing, so therefore he can communicate with his director of football, his chief executive, his uh, the, the the scouting team, and say, right, this is the type of player I want to go and get. Go and get me him. 
Now, in Manchester United, this, there doesn't seem to be any 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 sort of kind of strategy. I mean, this issue over the centre half has been going. I mean, Jones and Smallman, they they were there when Manchester United last won the league, weren't they? And they weren't good yeah. enough then. <laughs> and they weren't good enough then. And that was what 2013. So. Uh, the fact that I mean Manchester United is still lining up with them to as centre backs is just a, a massive, massive uh, error in judgment by whether it's the managers or whether it's uh, the scouting network. You can't tell me that there hasn't been centre halves or central defenders, whatever way you what we want to use, whatever terminology you want to use, in the world of football over the last six years that Manchester United have not been able to identify and go out and sign. <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy that at all. Uh, I mean, you could go right through the leagues. Uh, well, not, well, yeah, all leagues, but even just the Premier League and you can look at the players that some of the other teams have bought. Uh, I mean, Leicester got Harry Maguire from Hull. Uh, yeah, that was a very I mean, short signing. Yeah, very, I mean, yeah, I mean, Everson got Michael Keane from Burnley. He was also let go by Manchester United beforehand. Now, Michael Keane didn't really have a very good first season, but now it's looking like he can he, he could actually get back into the England squad. Well, he did, and he scored. He's actually looking like a, a very good defender. I don't ever think he'll be world-class. don't ever think he'll go beyond the level that he's at now, but he, he's, better than, he's better than Phil Jones and Chris Moore. Um, I mean, there's there's other examples within the league, and don't get me wrong. Uh, there's many of football clubs out there at the moment, uh, including my own, that sort of try try and stay loyal to these players that have been at the club a long time. So Ashley Young, mm-hmm. Phil uh, Phil Jones, Chris Moore fall under that. For me, the the again, I still think I'd still believe it's an error in judgment, but they must be. The only reason I think that they're getting new contracts is that they're the sort of core of the dressing room, which says a lot, doesn't it? Yep. Um, but it says a lot for me because I can't. If you they go, are the core, then you can understand how shit the dressing room is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, Ashley Young's the captain of the club, oh, and I, I, it still makes me laugh when you can. You, you go right through the the, the players: Wayne Rooney, Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand. The players that have put that armband on over the last, even just the last ten, fifteen years. You wouldn't even have to go back beyond the Premiership. Mm. Uh, and you think, well, Ashley Young is now wearing that armband. I mean, he doesn't even play in a position for me that should warrant an armband for me. Uh, the, the captain should always play in the centre, either centre midfield or central defence. I mean, that's just me, though, being my my personal preference. Uh, but yet, th- th- that is the only logic that I get behind them getting new contracts. It's and it says a lot for the club that that, that Everton have done that again. I don't want, I don't want to bring it back to my own club. I'll obviously try and stay f- f- firmly focused on Manchester United, but I'll use them as an example. Uh, We've we've continuously give uh, contracts to uh, all the players over the years, the Phil Jagielkas, the Leighton Baineses, the Tim Howards, uh, where we've kept them on 
uh, the Leon Osmonds, where we've kept them on because it's like, well, they know the club and they're, they're part of the setup within the club. But we needed that because we, we couldn't go out and buy, buy whoever we wanted and pay the wages that other clubs could get. We, we, it was, we had to have more of a team ethic. Now, team ethic is, it, it shouldn't be overlooked just because of the size of Manchester United fo- Football Club. Uh, but at the same time, there's got, the, 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 there's got to be a... Going back to the first point that I made... They're getting, they're getting new contracts because Manchester United are staying loyal to them. They know the club. They know what the club's about. Uh, oh, well, that's a, supposedly. But at the same time, they're just not good enough to play for the first 11. And they shouldn't be good enough to play for the first 11. And they're not going to be good enough to, to take the club further. Now, sooner or later, whether it's Ali Gunnar Solskjaer or whether it's another manager or whether a new director of football comes in at Manchester United, they've got to be looking at these sorts of things and saying, right, well, where do we want to go? What do we actually want to do here? Okay, well, Manchester United, we're massive around the world as a commercial and market as an entity, but as a football club on the field, what do we want to be doing? Do we want to be giving players contracts because, because they know the club? Or do we actually want to bridge this gap between Liverpool and Manchester City, which is getting which is getting bigger by the week. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and if because if you look at uh, United uh, and the other top six clubs, maybe, uh, maybe apart from Chelsea, perhaps United has uh, Footbird. Uh, Liverpool have Michael Edwards. Uh, Arsenal had Milnstadt and City have. Begistarian, yes, these three guys, Edwards, Begistarian and Millinstadt, they used to align with the managers and get the player that the manager wanted. And, the, and yeah. They, yeah, they used to do their homework properly and do their stuff and bring the players after aligning with their managers. While Footbird, he's purely focused on the business side. I'm, uh, yes, I've heard a lot of people say United need to appoint a director of football. Uh, and I would say yes. Okay, bring in someone like uh, yeah. If I'll take Ajax as an example, there, Mark Overmars is a director there. Look at the way yeah. he's yeah. Look at the way he's transformed by Ajax side. If you see two, if you roll back two years, the United side that played Ajax in the Europa League final. If and if you compare those two teams, those two squads to the current squad, I mean to the current team, both United and Ajax. You could see a huge gap between these two teams. Ajax, Ajax has progressed massively, while United have regressed. To be honest, so the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, this this is a big uh, point as well. But yeah, before we discuss further, um, we'll discuss the, we'll discuss further in the part part two of this podcast as this podcast is going too long. So guys, uh, thank you for listening to part one of this podcast. Uh, for yes. For listening to the rest, you could tune into part two, which is coming right up, guys. So thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to part two. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.